Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Dr. Paul Meyer is with us today. You all know who Dr. Paul Meyer is. We also have a special guest, Dr. Mark Goulston. He joins us today to talk about mentoring. He's a psychiatrist, best-selling author, and podcaster on Mental Health News Radio Network. Some of his friends and guests have included Norman Lear, Larry King, and very soon, Dr. Paul Meyer. Listen as two of the kindest people I know talk about how important being mentored and being a mentor has been to them throughout their lives. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, this is Kristen Sonanta Walker, and we have a show that I have no idea what we're actually going to end up talking about. I think we're going to talk about mentors and mentees with Dr. Paul Meyer. Hello, Paul. Yeah, hello, Kristen. <laughs> and Dr. And hello, Mark, Mark. Golston. Hi, Mark. <laughs> Jeez, you sounded more enthusiastic with me than Paul. Come on. What am I just the new kid on the block? Yeah. I thought so we past Kristen, the novelty stage. <laughs> Kristen is surrounded by uh, two psychiatrists tonight. Exactly. So. I'm just going to shut up and you all go to town. How's that? <laughs> well, we, we told her we told her we were doing on, one on mentoring, but really we're going to analyze her on this show right oh, in God. front of everybody. Oh, God. Well, I've, I've been analyzed for the best in the world. It gets boring. We're a paradox. Yeah, it gets boring yeah. in about five minutes. It's I'm paradoxical. <laughs> yeah. Paradoctoral. So, okay. Yeah. Well, so, I'll, I'll kick it off. Yeah, I'll kick it off. Ahead, you just, kick it off. I'll say, I'll say just, I, I want to say a few things about mentoring. And then, uh, Mark Gould, Dr. Mark Goulston is actually, a uh, an authority on mentoring. I'm, I'm not, I just, it was just one topic that I thought of that we ought to cover. So I, I want to spend a lot more time hearing what he has to say than hearing what I say. And I haven't had any mentor who, you know, like spent three years training me or things like that. But um, in, in a lot of people, when you hear the word mentor, I, I'd like all of you in, my, in our listening family right now to think about being a mentor yourself. Anybody that you inspire, uh, it can be a little kid in your neighborhood. It can be your, you know, your, a friend or anybody. Anybody that you inspire and listen to and help and, uh, and maybe give a little bit of advice here and there, you're mentoring them. And I know my parents mentored me. Um, I, when I look back, 
time in my life. I remember an 80 year old lady, uh, which seemed really old back then. Now that I'm 74, that seems pretty young, but an 80 year old lady at our, at our church <laughs> walked up to me one time when I was a, about 13 and put her hands on my shoulders. And she said, and, and I hardly knew her, but she put her hands on my shoulders and said, uh, Paul, uh, someday God's going to really use you to help a lot of people. And I just thought, mm, okay, well, thank you. You know, <laughs> I, I was planning on being a carpenter like my dad. And but I said, thank you, but it stuck, you know, and uh, uh, Dr. Bob Schindler was a, a surgeon at our uh, church who, who uh, even though I was planning on being a carpenter, like I said, he, he, he said, you ought to think about being a doctor someday. And then later on, you know, that's, that's too long a story, but later on, I decided I'll do that. Um, at, at Duke, uh, I did my residency at Duke University, and uh, one of my profs was uh, William Wilson, not the one that wrote uh, the big book you know, for Alcoholics Anonymous, but he did spend a lot of time with, uh, with a few of us, uh, students and, and had us to his home and all sorts of stuff. Um, and, and one of my buddies, um, in fact, my best friend in residency, um, was Dr. David Larson. And, uh, and he and I became prayer partners when we parted our ways, you know, when we were at Duke, um, we, you know, we both felt like, we wanted to have a mission in life, not just a, not just a, a job. And so he ended up doing research on uh, spirituality and its influence on mental health and physical health. And, uh, and he, he did so much research on it um, that uh, he ended up, when he died uh, about 18 years ago, he, a, a chair was named after him at the uh, library of Congress um, for his uh, integration of spirituality and, and about half the medical schools in the country have a, a course on spirituality now to help doctors not, you know, not put people down for having, you know, uh, various religious groups of, you know, no matter what the religious group is and, and uh, how to be more accepting of those types of things. And uh, uh, so uh, him and I, he, he really mentored me a lot because we would call each other about once every week or two and, and uh, a prayer partner, somebody, that encourages you and, and, and guides you and things. And we did that equally with each other, but we also uh, confessed to each other. So when we did something that we felt like was narcissistic or, or, you know, that we felt bad about, and, um, you, you know, we would share that with each other. Uh, Cause when you talk about it with somebody, it, you know, it helps you to grow. And then, uh, uh, but it was mostly, uh, he was such a um, spiritual guy that it was mostly me confessing to him. So when he died about 18 years ago, I, I, I've got a friend who's a psychologist in uh, Paris and that uh, we've done some seminars together. So I called him up and said, you know, my prayer partner died. Would you be willing to be my prayer partner? And he said, uh, well, uh, tell me first, why do you want somebody all the way here in Paris to be your prayer partner when you live in Dallas? He said, well, and I said, well, there's three reasons. I said, for one thing, you live 5,000 miles away, so I don't mind confessing things to you as much because you're you know, so far away from me. Nobody's going to hear it. Another thing is, you know, you're a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. We can analyze each other, you know, why we mess up and serve. And then thirdly, uh, my other prayer partner was such a spiritual guy. It was always me confessing to him. I said, you're French, so I know you'll sin at least as much as I do. And he said, I'm qualified. So he accepted. And uh, <laughs> so we really helped each other a lot. And, uh, and then my, uh, my, my prayer partner now, Dr. Jean-Luc Bertrand, ended up starting a uh, starting an orphanage um, 
where he, uh, he raises, uh, they raised 2,000 kids. His parents died of AIDS, and he won an Academy Award for doing a documentary, foreign documentary on AIDS kids. And uh, and he's just done a lot of good things. So we really inspired each other to do above and beyond just you know normal jobs, but wanting to be an inspiration to other people. And uh, uh, Kristen and I mentor each other indirectly a lot doing the radio program now the past couple of years she's sending me emailing me stuff and i'm emailing her stuff or we're talking with each other and uh just uh uh, and so i've i've picked that up and i've mentored uh people uh myself i I mentioned uh david larson because he and i mentored each other he's the psychiatrist that did the research and dr june mcbertrand now um he and i he's coming to visit me and uh uh, next month, but um, he lives in Paris, and um, he's also we're both also sports buffs, and he used to own the the soccer team for Paris. Um, Abed, Abed Alexander is a guy who um, uh, grew up in in Haiti and went to Haitian schools, but um, I taught at Dallas Theological Seminary for a while, and he was uh, one of my students, and here he grew up in those schools. And but but he got he was the smartest guy in our in in the classes that I taught and got straight A's and all that and so um, uh, uh, he really felt a yearning towards psychology and so after he got a seminary degree we paid his way through PhD school and uh, um, and he became a psychologist and he taught at Harvard for a while he's on our board actually now John Townsend and Henry Cloud I trained them before they ever went into psychology. And now they write a lot of, they, they wrote the Boundaries books. They're both psychologists and wrote the Boundaries series of books that have sold millions of copies. And, and they've helped a lot of people. And Graham Barker was a student I had from Sydney, Australia. And, and um, uh, I spent a lot of time with him. And when I taught at Trinity Seminary in Chicago, and I uh, paid his way through PhD school and then trained him at our, one of our clinics, you know, when he got through what we through with his training his other training and and he's uh just recently retired he's you know i'm 74 and i think he's about 70 or 60 or something but he just recently retired in australia but he he wrote books and did radio and spoke places and did a lot of stuff that mark Coulson's doing right now and then one more tony evans uh back when i taught at, at seminary in the 70s there weren't a whole lot of african-american students at a seminary like uh, Dallas uh, Theological Seminary, and, and uh, but one of them was Tony Evans, and he was just an outstanding student. Again, he he uh, uh, he was real smart. He was real. Uh, he had charisma, but he also had compassion. He had humility. He was willing to look at things, and and so I met with him every Thursday for three years for lunch at a Chinese restaurant near the seminary. <laughs> so we had lunch together for three years. And I and I thought if he's going to be a pastor, I'm going to teach him psych, you know, psychology so he can integrate that and you know with his uh, sermons and things. And and uh, he ended up he's got a large church in uh, um, in Oak Cliff, uh, the Dallas area, uh, Dallas suburb, and um, with thousands of members. And he's authored books and he's have sold over a million copies. And he's he train he mentors pastors all over the world now. So mentoring is really fun, you know, and uh, it, I like getting mentored and I like mentoring and, and I don't, it's not like I set out who will I mentor next or something like that. It just sort of evolves and happens. So that's, I wanted to say that about mentoring. So you and our listening family right now, think who can you 
have a positive influence on in your life. You know, it, it, it could be, you know, a, a, you know, I, I call it prayer partner, but I mean, you can, you know, you can get any kind of, you can call it whatever you want to, you know, you can mm-hmm. call it Mickey Mouse partner or something if you want, you know, but, but uh, who can you mentor? And so that's what I want to say. So Mark, you're the expert. I just want to get my little uh, narcissistic two cents worth in here. <laughs> well, well, no, you know, you, cause I, I can't well, wait to hear your. Well, my expert, no, my expertise is not on studying it. It's like yours. It's having been mentored and now being a mentor to 25 people or so at various frequencies. And I want to mention something about frequencies because sometimes you can be mentored by someone you met once depending on what impact they have on your life. And you can yeah. be mentored by someone who you meet regularly. And, and I think what started off is I came, I came from sort of a somewhat controlling childhood and, uh, uh, and Kirsten knows my tale of woe, but I'll make it, so I'll make it brief. But um, I dropped out of medical school twice for untreated depression. And the second time I dropped out, the medical school wanted to kick me out because they were losing matching funds, even though I was passing. And to make a long story short, I met with the dean of the school who cared about fundraising, and he referred me to the dean of students who cared about students. And I was at a low point. And uh, Kristen may have uh, mentioned I, I have a passion for suicide prevention because I think this dean of students probably saved my life because I came from a background where your your only is your worth is what you produce. It's you know kind of a depression yeah. type of thing. Yeah. And so I think the the second time I dropped out, uh, I couldn't hold on to information. I was highlighting books, but I couldn't recall it. And so I was dropping out for the second time, probably with an untreated depression. And and I met with the dean of students who shared a letter with me from the dean of the school. And the letter basically uh, said to him, I've met with Mr. Goulston, and I'm advising, uh, and we talked about an alternate career, and I'm advising the promotions committee that he'd be asked to withdraw. So they couldn't kick me out because I was miraculously passing things. And I said to the dean of students, what does this mean? I was really low, Paul. And he said, you've been kicked out. And it was like a gunshot wound. I mean, I kind of doubled over. And it was my it was my good fortune that I didn't hit him with some passive aggressive sarcasm because I was too far gone. I didn't say they can't kick me out. I'm passing. Yeah. And it was my good fortune that I didn't go into, oh, well, what am I going to do? I, what happened is it was like a gunshot wound. And I know what that's like because I had a perforated colon about 12 years ago and I almost died. And, and it was just like that. And he looked at me the dean of students, and he said, Mark, you didn't screw up, but you are screwed up. But if you get unscrewed up, I think the school would be glad they gave you a second chance because you have a streak of goodness in you that we don't grade in medical school. We should, but we don't. And you have no idea how much the world needs that goodness, and you're not going to know it till you're 35. That's awesome. But you have to make it till you're 35 crying with his compassion. I mean, it, it was foreign to me. And, and then he, and I couldn't look at him. 
and he pointed at me and he said, look at me, look at me. And he said, you deserve to be on this planet and you're going to let me help you. Because if he had said, you know, uh, if I can help you call me, I probably would have had false pride, gone back to my apartment and I'd probably be dead. Okay. So the fact that I cratered and, uh, and I talk a lot about the power of surrender, which I think is often what faith provides a lot of people. You can surrender. Yeah. You, you can let go of control safely. And faith is believing you'll somehow make it through. And, and I surrendered to him because he, he said, look at me. And, and I remember I was just sobbing. And he said, you're going to let me help you. And I said, I think I'd like that. And he arranged an appeal. And I think what happened is I fell apart and he reached his hands underneath and he caught me. And the fact that he then went to bat against the medical school to say, uh, we need to give this kid another shot. And it was interesting. I was speaking to um, Reverend Jim Kowalski. You, may, you probably know him, Paul. He was the deep reverend of St. John the Divine in many years. And when I was telling him the story, I felt this warm rush all the way through me. And I... And I said to Reverend Kowalski, I said, I said, the dean of students was an angel. I'm not even the right religion, but he was an angel sent to me. <laughs> he, he, was sent, he was sent to save my life. And without missing a beat, Reverend Jim said, yes, he was, Mark. Yeah. Uh, he could have said, yes, he was, Mark. You want to donate? But anyway, uh, yeah. but and, and, and when I talk about this, what I share with people is I say, the good news when a, a real angel comes into your life is you walk differently in the world. The, the challenging news is you have to pay it forward. You have no other choice. And so that's why I became a, a suicide specialist for 25 years and none of my patients killed themselves because I just did exactly what the Dean of Students did for me. I, I, and I, getting back to mentoring, so that was my first mentor, is, uh, and I asked someone I recently have been mentoring, I said, so, you know, so tell me what helps. And this person I've been mentoring through a real tough time, he said, you put, you put your heart into my life, Mark. And I thought, whoa, uh, I don't know what that means, but it sure sounds eloquent. I like that. <laughs> and I think, to me, mentoring is, is is doing some of that you put your heart into someone else's life and they can feel it especially if they're going through a rough time yeah so uh that's kind of my story but you know ever since then it just turned everything around and and it was interesting i'll, I'll share something that i'm embarrassed to share uh, uh in my high school yearbook, which I hope nobody has a copy of, you know how they, 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 you put down your clubs and favorite phrases. And I put down the most cynical phrase, which and essentially I was saying, you're an idiot if you believe in anything. It was very cynical and sarcastic. And what's interesting is after that experience, uh, the only thing that matters in life is believing in in things. And for me, it's believing in people. And so that's how I've continued to mentor people. And I love doing that. And, um, and I'll share one last story. 
and then I'll drop my narcissism, and then, then we can hear from Kristen. Uh, <laughs> I've had seven mentors. My last one was a leadership guy named Warren Bennis, pretty well known in the leadership field. And he, you know, he mentored David Gergen and Howard Schultz from Starbucks. He advised presidents. And, and, and Warren was not just respected, he was beloved. If you want to see the memorial service that you want for your, you know, after you die, look up Warren Bennis Memorial Service. I think it's on Vimeo, but it was amazing. David Gergen got emotional. David Gergen does not get emotional. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I remember in the last year of his life, Warren was saying to me, you know, Mark, I'm trying to be a good sport. And they parade me around the U USC to the Marshall School, and I'm irrelevant. You know, I'm, you know they, they say I wrote all these books on leadership, but I'm irrelevant. And I'm trying to be grateful because I've been relevant into my 80s. Most people don't get to do that, but it hurts to be irrelevant. So one of the reasons I continue to mentor people is I think it helps me to be relevant. And, and, and I think it is, and I think one of the best things you can do as you get older is to really help younger people arrive in their future. So that's, that, that's my opening gambit. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, the, the only thing... Uh, you know, so many people, the vast, I, I believe the vast majority of people in the world, um, uh, deep down inside feel like a nobody and, uh, goes through your life trying to prove that they're not a nobody. And, um, and so very few people get deep, uh, you know, like you did just now where, where they actually, um, uh, deeply loved and, and are loved. I'm not saying, you know, people don't, a lot of people do, but, uh, it, it, especially nowadays, less, uh, fewer do. And, well, um, and, yeah, and there's say, something to live for other than feeding our face. Yeah. I want to say know, something because you use the ahead. word, you use the word nobody and something yeah. that I often say out in the world and some of my talks, I say, you know, one of the greatest opportunities of being someone who's perceived as a somebody you can make an invisible nobody visible. And just even, just even making eye contact and finding out what their name is, that can last them a lifetime. I, I remember a few years ago, someone emailed me from India and you know, was having some sort of issue, some young man, and I wrote him back. And this is the power that you can have and, and with just even the briefest contact and I wrote him back and he wrote back and he said, no one as famous as you has ever written out my name. Yeah, I mean, isn't that amazing? Significant. Yeah. And, and, and so he, it, it helped him feel like he wasn't a nobody and, and we can, we can all do that. You know, uh, your, your uh, um, specialty is in uh, suicide prevention and, um, when you were talking, I, I remembered a, a study in the Journal of the American Medical Association. It was a number of years ago where um, 13 different psychiatrists and psychologists from different schools actually interviewed 90,000 high school students. 90,000 in, uh, uh, you know, I mean, or they, they had them fill out a questionnaire and things like that. 
and uh, the teen suicide rate uh, was 300% higher than it had been 50 years earlier. And uh, something like one out of 22 females and one out of 32 males had, uh, you know, seriously considered suicide in the previous 12 months. And, and it went into all that sort of thing. And, and the, the young people that had um, a spiritual connection uh, with other people and with God uh, actually had a much lower suicide rate than, than people who didn't. And I, and I think in our society today, so many uh, people, you know, they get on Facebook and superficial things like that. And when I see uh, a new patient who's in his or her 20s and I ask him, well, how many friends do you have that you can share anything with? You can just sit down and share your gut level feelings with, your sorrow, your happiness, your, you know, and, and, you know, the most usual response I get is, do you mean there's really people like that? And uh, that, that it just seems like when I was a kid, you know, we, we really did share with our friends and things like that, you know, a few close friends anyway. And, um, and, and so mentoring is also, like you mentioned, it's, it's uh, uh, loving people and reaching out to them making, and uh, even calling their name. You know, people love to hear their name. It makes them feel important. I, I write down if we had employees at a hard day ever see, like that do the janitor work or things like that. I'll, I'll write down their name and put it in my iPhone, you know, on my notebook and, uh, and then be sure to call them by their name next time. I have to pull it out first. If I see them around the corner, I have to pull it out and then walk around the corner and say hi. Cause I've, you know, I've, I'm not good at remembering names, but I appreciate you saying that. I'll tell you, there's some, there's, there's a, there's a personal mission I have uh, that's, that's other than the suicide prevention thing. And you're reminding me that I've slipped on it. And, and I learned this from a friend of mine. And whenever I speak, I give this as an exercise, kind of a homework assignment. And I said, once a day, if you can, if you run into one of the invisible functionary people in the world, the cashier, the TSA person, go up to them when you're passing them, and ask them what made you smile today and say their name. What made you smile, smile today, Judy, John? And yeah. what happens is now sometimes they're in a rush, but what's happened is you have just pulled them out of being an appliance and turned them into a person. I did that uh, at a McDonald's. I was getting a coffee and I said that to the cashier. And she looked at me and she just, and she got a second hit of what made her smile. And she talked about, you know, my grandchild. So what's your grandchild's name? You know, she, meant, she mentioned, you know, uh, I think it was Janice or something like that. And I said, good. And what was interesting is as I was drinking my coffee, she kept looking over at me, smiling. But it, it, it's, it's multiply rewarding yeah. because when you do yeah. that, you not only help them feel like a person, you not only give them a second scoop of, of uh, good feeling, but you get out of your narcissism. You get out of your self-involvement. Yeah. And, uh, and so I often give that as a homework assignment whenever I speak. I say, I'd like you to try this for a week and see what the experience is like. And it's, in, it, it's amazing what it does to you if you do it for a week and hopefully continue it. Let me ask the two of you, what... Paul, what made you smile today? 
uh, what you shared just now made me smile. I'm sitting here smiling right now. <laughs> Great. And I remembered, uh, I remembered, uh, cause, uh, you and I really, you know, we're, we're, we got a lot of stuff in common. I'm just getting to know you and you're just getting to know me. But, but um, right. uh, one of the first, Good. one of the first, uh, books that I wrote, the second book that I wrote is called happiness is a choice. Mm. And, and, and in there, and, and I don't know if you heard of Paul Trinier, the Swiss psychiatrist that wrote a lot of really good psychiatry, but you know, for, for lay people to read on, on loving and being loved and things like that. Um, and in my book, I listed seven steps, you know, seven things that, that people can do to, to, I didn't mean you can turn on a switch and choose happiness. You can choose to get that way and you may need medication, you may need therapy, you may need, you know, but you can choose to, to, to overcome depression. But so happens is a choice. But one of the seven things that I listed that you can do that will really help you to get over depression is think of somebody each week that, uh, that you can do something nice for without them knowing that you're doing it. Find, out, find somebody mm. and think of something nice that you can do for somebody and keep it a secret. So you're not doing it to get them to like you or anything else. You're just doing it to, to do something to get your mind out of yourself and help somebody else. And, uh, you know, I, of course I don't do that once a week, but I do look for opportunities to, to do that. And, uh, uh, and it, it, it really is, uh, what, what you shared just now is very similar, you know, just, uh, reaching out and chatting with somebody that you just, you know, run into at a McDonald's or something. Yeah, and Kristen, what made you smile besides putting Paul and me together? <laughs> well, I was going to say that's the thing that made that's making me smile consistently. Yep, I knew they wouldn't really hit it off. Gosh, what else made me smile today? Um, I had a discussion with a woman that I've worked with for years, who's a mentor, and um, she gets right to the point with me, which I really appreciate, and it made me really smile. <laughs> You know, something that's making me smile about the two of you, uh, you both talk with people. That's different than talking to people. Right. And, and, and when you're able to talk with people, and, I, and you just overflow with it, Paul, and Kristen, she's a hybrid because she's much more practical and business-like than me. So... Uh, <laughs> so She's able to get to the point. She's able to cut to the chase. Um, yeah. and, uh, but she's also able to talk with people. So, but I'm smiling because I'm just, um, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just taking in the, the two of you and, and the hunger in the world to have people like the two of you who can speak with people so that people can lean into it and not feel so alone. So uh, I got a big grin on my face. I did, uh, I did live radio. I don't know if you ever saw the TV show, Frasier. Oh yeah. You know, the yes. psychiatrist. Yeah. Yes. But I did that. I did that five years before he started his TV show, but I, I did a live, uh, radio program call in from noon to one every day, central time, uh, in, uh, 400, uh, on 400 stations to an average of 2 million people a day. And, uh, and I did that for about 25 years, five days a week. And, uh, you, you get, you get a feel that, you know, when you're talking right directly with people and, and they're asking you stuff and, and you're not just giving advice, you know, but you're chatting with them and stuff. And, and, uh, you, you really feel part of the world or part of, you know, human beings. And, and, 
And so not now that we do a podcast, it's not like we can hear the people. But, I mean, uh, Kristen does. She gets emails and things all the time. But I feel not like it's not just me and you and Kristen talking right now. There's thousands of people that will download this. Um, you know, there have been a few of the podcasts were, you know, that were done that Kristen has, you know, been part of that have, that were almost half a million people have downloaded it, but yep. there, there's thousands of people that are listening to what we're sharing right now. And, and so I, I visualize that I'm just sitting here having a conversation with them. That's why I, yeah. I'll pause and say, for those of you in our listening family, because I want them to know that we're chatting with them too, even though we don't hear them out loud. Mm-hmm. If I do hear them out loud, uh, then uh, Mark, I'll, I'll call you up and you can give me some medication. For that. <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to need a prescription. <laughs> we'll add that to the shows that we do on medication. <laughs> yeah, we've done a lot on medication. Something, something that has helped me to be more present, because I, you know, sometimes I get distracted by my ego and the need to impress and the need to name drop and yada, yada, yada. And after, and I get away with it because I know people, but, Afterwards, uh, you know, I think, could you be any more insecure than that, Mark? And uh, uh, <laughs> that's and funny. Something that has helped me is is because you mentioned our listening audience, and I pause and I think, what? I are say they? our listening family. I say our listening family, actually. Okay, listening family. <laughs> Not listening audience, but there are listening family. There, there are brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and kids and. Well, I'm just new to the family, so there you go. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But our listening family, what I will pause and and ask myself, they're listening for something. They're not listening just to us. They're listening for something. You know the family, and I'm guessing that what they're listening for is they want to feel inspired because they want something that will lift them up out of whatever they're stuck in. And they're also listening for something that maybe can motivate them to take action so they can uh, not just be inspired, but sustain some positive change in their life. And, and they're, I think they're also listening for people that they can actually uh, believe, have trust in, maybe respect, you know, may, maybe be people that don't turn out to have feet of clay or worse. And I think there's a hunger in our listening family. Of course, you know, I'm just an interloper, so what do I know? Um, and, and, I, and I think if that's true, I can just imagine them listening. And I would certainly like them to you know, add comments to, to tell us if that's what they're, you know, what are you listening for, our listening family? What are you listening for in this podcast? And when you listen to uh, Kristen and Paul, what are you listening for? Because we're all here, we want to be of service. Yeah. And I, I, hey, hey, Kristen. Yeah. Kristen, get, can you tell uh, our listening family right now, based on what Mark just said, can you tell them right now um, an email address or yeah, you know, somehow where they can let, because I'd love to get a whole bunch of emails from those of you that are listening to us right now. We and get I'd them. like to know <laughs> what Mark just said. I know, but let's, let's ask for, a special email uh, from sure. as many of you as possible. And why, what are you looking for uh, when you listen to these particular 
podcasts. You know, I I, I, I know I the ones got, that get downloaded one, the most. Yeah, I got one. The, the today. ones that get downloaded the most, uh, uh, Mark, are, are ones on how to protect yourself from narcissists and boundaries and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So a lot Always. of people feel taken advantage of, and I think, you know, I, I know that's one reason why they listen is to realize they can't even break away. Right. Exactly. Go ahead, Kristen. Go. Share, share with them. A, an email well, if any, if anybody wants to email us, um, you can send the email. The easiest one would be info at mhnrnetwork.com. Mental Health News Radio. Yep. Or you can send yeah, it to, to yeah. info at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. Yep. But, well, yeah, we got uh, info at mhnrnetwork.com. Okay. Or info at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. Okay. And I mean, we got one today that just mostly Paul, cause we've been doing this for so long. Um, and I get the same kind of responses when I do shows with Mark is they feel the warmth between us when we're speaking, that there's a friendship oh, yeah. there. And so they like to listen because they're listening to, to people that, you know, really like each other, have a warm conversation. Yeah. So that's that's what we get the most are those kind of comments. <laughs> so yeah. That's yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, when I when I listen to uh, somebody like Mark, you know, sharing that, um, it, it especially if you listen to somebody many times over, you know, it, it, then you do feel like you're part of the the family, you know, part of the, um, the like you're connecting. Other souls. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and we, something Mark said early on was, Mark, you, you, you when you got depressed uh, back in medical school, it was because you saw it like a human doing instead of a human being. Right. And, uh, and I couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, you're basing your worth on what you could do, you know, instead of on just you know somebody that that you could just love unconditionally. And then accept the way you were and grow and learn and, and uh, not have to do, not have to earn um, worth. Uh, you don't have to earn worth. You can't put our, we can't put our self-worth in somebody else's pocket. We got to put it in our own pocket. So that, that meant a lot to me that, that you, that you shared that. That's a, a good lesson that Kristen and I talk about a lot on oh, video yeah. that people, that we want people to be human beings that human doing. Yeah, I, I've placed so much value on what it is I can do, especially what it is I can do myself and what I do for others and just really dialing back from that. And really a lot of it too is when you dial back from it and you just, for me, practice gratitude. I actually have a friend that every day at the same time, he lives in um, well, the state of Washington and I'm on the East Coast, so we you know, he's at a different time zone, but uh, same time every day, we have an alarm go off on our clock uh, that just reminds us to sit, even if it's for 10 seconds, and, and say to ourselves, I'm so profoundly grateful, and I receive gratefully, because we're so busy doing, doing, doing for, you know, ourselves, but mostly for other people that we, we forget to even think about the fact that we can receive. And a lot of times we will bat away, like great things will come to us and we will just bat them away. Oh no, no. Cause I have to focus on this. So that's our reminder every day to just, okay, just sit 
I had no idea. Converse <laughs> Every yeah. day? Every day. My, the alarm, alarm goes off. Every day my alarm goes off and, and, uh, and then I just take a minute. I put my hand on my heart and I just, even if all I have is two seconds, I don't care if I'm in a meeting, you know, I, I just go, I put myself on mute and I go, okay, yes, I gratefully receive. And if I can do longer then you know, I do longer, but yeah, yeah. Every, every day it's been great. That's cool. That's, that's unique. Yeah. I have a suggestion for you, Kristen, because you know, I've gotten to know you. Um, <laughs> actually, you know who it is, Mark. Ad, it's Adam Klugman. He wouldn't care if I say his name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 we do that every day. Um, cool. I'd like you to add to that exercise. Oh, God, um, no. It was enough to get us to do that. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I'll, no, I'll share an anecdote. Because <laughs> every now and then I will see human doings. And I remember someone that I mentor is this really dynamic, amazing woman. And she's just a dynamo. And I remember this was some years ago. And I said, I know what you're most afraid of. And it's not being controlled, criticized, uh, put down or any of those things. You don't like those, but you're sort of, you know, you, you know, you, you have defenses. And she was really smart and feisty. And she, she looked at me. She said, well, what am I afraid of? And I looked her straight in the eye and I said, you're afraid of feeling unconditionally safe emotionally and there is nothing you can do to earn it and there is nothing you can do to lose it and she looked at me and it was like her head collapsed she just collapsed into the couch and just started crying and she said you just hit a nerve that goes back beyond anything i can remember and mm -hmm. and i'd like you to, to add to your gratitude thing to say to yourself, Kristen, that you're safe. Mm. Just say to yourself, I'm safe. I can do that. I will. Uh, that's a rare time, Mark, that you gave me an exercise to do that I didn't cry. Ha! Well, you'll cry when you when you do it, but <laughs> because that because that that's what we want to get back, getting back to spirituality. That's what we want to surrender into. When I work with veterans who are suicidal. I'll tell you, it's almost boilerplate that when they reach that point and they go through this sequence of not in control, out of control, I'm, I'm shattering and the next step is I'm going to fragment. So I'm going to kill myself because I'm never coming back. And that's when many veterans will be literally staring down the barrel of their gun. And that's when they discover God and they start to cry. They say, God, I don't want to kill myself. I don't want to die, but I can't take it anymore. And what happened is they, in that moment, they surrender control, not something that military like a word that military like to use, but they will say the word, God, I, I don't want to die, but I can't take it anymore. And when they start to cry, they start to feel relief. And then they start to reconstitute mentally. And so I've just heard that story so often. And so, you know, I would love you to be able to collapse into being able to think to yourself and just even say, Kristen, you can use, you can use whoever's voice. It could be Paul. It could be Paul and me saying it to you. You're safe, Kristen. And just take it in. I can do that. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, we have 10 minutes left. 
What are we going to talk about? <laughs> what, you know, one thing, I don't know if this was related or not, but what, you know, what Kristen and I do, Mark, is whatever pops into our head, we sort of mm-hmm. bit it out. You know, <laughs> and it may, right. may not be relevant, but we usually figure out, you know, some way to make it relevant. But I was thinking about uh, King Solomon. Uh, I think he's one of the, you know, he, in my book, he's one of the wisest people that, that ever lived. Uh, and he lived 3,000 years ago. And um, if, if people study Proverbs and, and Ecclesiastes and Psalms, it, you learn so much. Uh, you know, it, it's the best psychology book that there is. And um, like he talked about, uh, uh, his father, King David, talked about the unconscious. He uh, said uh, uh, a prayer in uh, Psalm 139. He said, God, search my innermost uh, innermost being. Search me and and reveal to me the, the parts of myself that I don't see so I can mature and, you know, walk in a way that's pleasing to you. And uh, Solomon um, in Ecclesiastes, he said he had, uh, you know, the, the insignificant thing, you know, wanting to feel significant. And he, in like most people on the planet, he was uh, tempted to do that. In fact, he went ahead and did it. And sex, power, and money are the three main ways that people try to prove their significance. You know, and none of them work. And uh, so he had a thousand wives and concubines, and and uh, and he said, "I did not withhold from myself any pleasure." And uh, and I'm sure he had fun for a while, you know. But he said it was meaningless. It became meaningless. It didn't make him feel important uh, and uh he had so much money he had uh silver nuggets laying on his yard you know and things like that he he was the wealthiest man on the planet and he said it's all meaningless you know it felt good for a while but it's all meaningless and so and then he had the most power he was the most powerful king on earth for a while and he said that's meaningless too and then uh so he's when you just read the first uh uh, there's 12 chapters in Ecclesiastes, and when you read the first 11, you just feel like crying, like you're crawling up into a ball and just <laughs> giving up, you know, because life is meaningless. It, it convinces, he convinces you in there how meaningless life is. And then, but then he says the conclusion of the matter, though, is that he found that if you serve God and, uh, and man, mentor, you know, he was talking about mentoring. If you serve God and reach out to connect with people, that gives you meaning that's the only thing that gives you meaning sex power and money and he was the authority on all three uh don't get you there and uh and uh, uh i remember thinking boy if i become an md i'm really going to feel important and i you know i strove and strove and strove and and uh, i felt depressed a couple times during medical school too i had the books over my head when i was a senior and i was going to throw them down and quit and uh because it was so uh you know, painful and the verbal abuse from some of the mm-hmm. profs and things. And, and, uh, but finding, uh, that when I walked across the stage and got my MD degree, I felt bad, you know, cause here I'd been, you know, all these years of hard study. And I thought, finally, I'm going to feel significant. And then I got my degree and everywhere I walked, my butt followed me, you know, <laughs> I was still there. I was still me. And I, I still, I still didn't, you know, it didn't, it didn't do anything for me, you know, uh, and I had to find it in, in other ways. And, and like Mark, you know, like you're saying, uh, it's, 
it's more, I don't know how to word it. You know, it's more not based on what you're doing, but on uh, loving and being loved and, and loving yourself. You can only love other people. I, I wrote a book called uh, Love is a Choice, you know, in, uh, on codependency. And, and uh, I talk about in order to love other people, you got to fill your own love tank first. So you have some of it to, to spill out onto other people. And uh, so we have to accept ourselves and, and love ourselves. Um, I, we, we uh, Kristen and I ask people a lot of times that are listening in our listening family to get a piece of paper. Here, here's a homework assignment that we'll give you, Mark. <laughs> get a piece of paper tonight, or you know, the uh, back page of your of your uh, of your Bible or a journal or somewhere that you keep, and uh, write today's date down. And uh, say, dear Mark, you know, everybody listening to us, I want you to do that to yourself. Dear, dear self, dear me, uh, I promise from today forward to be your best friend. And I'm going to make an effort not to say anything negative to you that I wouldn't tell my best friend under the same circumstances. So like if you leave your, uh, your uh, lights on and you go out and your battery's dead, instead of saying to yourself, you stupid idiot. You stop and ask, okay, what would I tell my best friend if my best friend drove me here today and uh, he or she left their lights on, the battery was dead when we got out to the car? I wouldn't turn to them and say, you stupid idiot. You would tell them the truth. And life's tough enough. You know, I mean, there's a lot of tough times in life just based on truth. But a lot of times half the pain we go through is because we believe lies that we learned either in childhood or somewhere along the line. And uh, in, in we'll tell ourselves that we're stupid idiots when we will tell our best friend that, hey, you're just human. You know, we all make mistakes. And so if, if you stop and think, what would I tell my best friend and tell that to yourself, then uh, then you'll start living based on reality rather than based on uh, negative uh, crap. And so you'll be mentoring yourself. I guess I guess I, I didn't know how this tied in with this. I just kept thinking about it when when we were talking about different things I, I think the way it ties in is that uh we need to mentor ourselves too absolutely so, so can i mention something do we still have a little more time of absolutely. course Go ahead. oh we, we have as much time as you want <laughs> okay because uh, 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 so, uh, uh Kristen will you know edit out uh uh all the ums and ahs and <laughs> if you if you take out all my ums and ahs it'll you know it's add an extra minutes. 10 minutes what we're <laughs> saying so, <laughs> yes, so go ahead mark i'd love to hear I'd love so, to hear what you're thinking. So you just triggered something, and, and this is the benefits <clears throat> of having mentors. So I have something I call the Dead Mentor Society. I have seven mentors, starting with that fellow in medical school. The last one was Warren Bennis, this leadership guy. And see, I'm not able to write a letter to myself because at my core, I'm a we. And I've often felt less than other men because I'm not an I, I'm a we. And at and I sometimes feel like a lonesome warrior, and there's many times when I'm not the warrior. And so what I do is when I feel I've blown it, I've been verbose, I've been too much name dropping, whatever it is, I will call upon one of my dead mentors, and they talk me down from DEFCON 1 of criticizing myself to DEFCON 4. And what happens is I just... I just feel blessed that they were in my life. I feel blessed that they believed in me. I feel grateful. And when I feel overflowing with gratitude towards them, I, it, my self-criticism dissipates. And I've often 
felt less than other people who can use self statements. I, I've never been able to use self affirmations, and uh, but uh, but I can imagine my any of my dead mentors saying to me. Uh, and now what's happened is I have an abbreviated form. So if I was to say uh, to them after this podcast, "Oh, Mark, you were so tangential. Could you finish a story for you know once in your life?" <laughs> Can you ever get back to the point? And so now, uh, the, here's the abbreviated version. I can pull any of the dead mentors out of my mind. And I, and I said, I did it again. And they'll say, well, you know, what did Kristen and Paul think? And I'll say, I think they liked it. I think they'll have me back. And so here's the abbreviated yeah, <laughs> What they all say to me is, Mark, what? Put a sock in it. <laughs> and I just feel their love. I just feel their love and I put a sock in it and I laugh because I the combination of missing them, feeling grateful and mm. that the two of you will have me back. <laughs> of course. We'd it's, love to. Yeah. Exactly. This has been really, uh, really awesome. Yeah. I, it's this is really awesome. I will say this cause we are, we are out of time, but uh, one, I've had many mentors. The two of you are two of them. Uh, one of them that I just love is, uh, nobody famous, nobody well-known. In fact, every time you try to email her or even call her, there's like some issue with email or some issue with the phone or whatever. Sometimes I'm like, do I need to send you a carrier pigeon? Like, how do I get a hold of you? And uh, she's just this, uh, this woman that lives on a mountain in the, the mountains of North Carolina. And uh, everybody somehow finds her to work with her. And she's probably the wisest, one of the wisest souls I've had the um, honor of knowing. And um, she's somebody that will just, she's got my number. Like, she's got my number. And she knows exactly how to deliver my number to me when I need it. <laughs> so um, I think uh, I think we're all really lucky that we have them. And then when you get the chance to be one, when you get old enough to be a mentor to somebody else, it's, um, it's a wonderful feeling. And it's interesting to, you, when you're sitting in your own life, you, you don't always see yourself how other people see you. I mean, you, you know, we, unless you're extremely narcissistic and you're in fantasy Island about yourself, but I don't see myself how, other people seem to see me and sometimes it's a good thing. And sometimes that's not a, such a good thing, but I really like the fact that everybody that I count as a mentor, a close friend, um, someone that I work with, a, a really great colleague is someone just like that. They really don't know how incredible they are and how many lives they touch every single day. Something that you and I've, mentioned a lot of times on our programs, uh, Christian, is that uh, whenever two people meet, and Mark, you might be interested in this too. Being a, oh, yeah. I love this, uh, Paul. Tell being this. Being a head shrinker. I thought about being this today. Yeah. When, when, whenever two people meet, there's really six people present. The two people as they see themselves, the two people as they see each other, and the two people as they really are. Mm. And so... Yeah. None of us really know, you, you know, I mean, you've studied the unconscious and all that, you know, there, you know, about 80% of our thoughts, feelings, and motives we're not even aware of, you know? And, and so when, when you really connect with uh, somebody, you're, 
uh, I mean, we need to remain open-minded to, to look at uh, who we really are and to be accepting of uh, the flaws that we may become aware of. And, and uh, I think that's why the 12 steps is so powerful uh, to help uh, people heal. Um, but the, uh, but there's six people present. So right now, Mark, you and I met, you know, we've emailed each other before, but this is the first time we've talked to each other. And, uh, so there's you and I, as we see ourselves, you and I, as we see each other, and then there's you and I, as we really are. And if we did spend a lot of time together, we would both find out a lot more about who we really are. So those six mm-hmm. people would sort of merge, uh, over a period of time into, uh, more awareness of, of who we really are and what we can, how we can use that, uh, you know, for good in our own lives and the lives of others. Absolutely. I know for me, having known Paul for two years now, that he is the last person that you ever want to text when you have a busted rib. You got to explain that. Explain that to us. I cracked a rib. I was horrible. I was cruel. I was cruel. It was hilarious. I cracked a rib horseback riding. Very, such a minor. So About a week ago, right? No, Friday. Yeah, Friday. Friday morning. I kept telling you how important it is not to laugh. Oh, so he keeps sending me stuff. And I'm like, but funny, I'm sitting in the emergency room laughing. Funny, uh, vi- little funny videos and funny emojis and yes. and uh, stuff like, like that. <laughs> I tried to get her to laugh. That was cool. It was hilarious. No, because I love that. But that's the kind of thing. This is what people tune in for. And Mark, when you and I have done shows and we go right into like you, he always makes me cry, Paul, <laughs> immediately. Um, but that's what people are listening for. They want to hear that connection. And they want to hear other yeah. people having connection. Because I think in our disconnected world, you know, we our phone becomes, you know, has become an appendage and it's a barrier between us and other people. People want to hear, uh, oh, that's what authentic connection is. That, the familiarity between people, the, you know, inside joke that you make an outside joke, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that's what people really want to tap into because it's a reminder you can have that too it's not lost but you do have to work for it you know you know i'm going to introduce a word that kristen and i have spoken about just to you know for our listening family <laughs> and it's called interbeing and i think it's 40 50 years old you can look, I, i'm forgetting the person who came up with it but interbeing yeah. is space between what we're saying and you feed interbeing by uh, curiosity, caring, and compassion. And, uh, and you ruin it by the opposite of that, by being presumptuous, uh, uh, not caring, and, and hurtful. But uh, uh, so I, I want to introduce that because mm-hmm. I, think, I think the listening family has gotten a taste of, I think, very good interbeing. Mm-hmm. So, so we each spoke and we each have ideas, but but there's something in the space between us that I I I, I would stand this up against any technology. <laughs> yes, this, exactly. This is what's missing. 
all these iPads and everything. There's no interbeing. Right. But I encourage our listening family, you know, to just marinate in that idea. You know, try to increase the interbeing between you and other people by curiosity, caring, and compassion. See what it does to your life. Right. It says it means to interdependently coexist. Mm -hmm. So to interdependently coexist, the meaning of interbeing, recognize the dependence of any one person or thing to all other people and objects. Yeah, I think we can connect with people on a, on a spiritual basis. And like, like Mark was saying, it's not just words, but on a spiritual uh, basis, you know, uh, somehow it feels like that. Like, Absolutely. You, know, you connect, you connect uh, not just with words, but with your, your spirit can connect with uh, somebody else's. You know, this conversation is feeling more like summer camp and I don't want to leave. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, we'll, go back to our, we'll go back to our transactional empty lives and I don't <laughs> want to go there. Yeah. Oh, that's too funny. Well, you'll come back. Um, I'm actually going to Greece, so this is the last show for me until end of, well, until October uh, for on for the roundtable shows. But um, tomorrow, uh, and tomorrow I um, I interview Rabbi Steve Leader, which is oh great! I'm glad you guys connected. Oh, that's yeah, wonderful. me too. So I'm excited. But anyway, I will say thank you and. Everyone, you can find out more information about Dr. Mark Goulston by going to www.markgoulston.com. And of course, Dr. Paul Meyer at Meyer Clinics, M-E-I-E-R clinics.com. Thank you both gentlemen for coming on. Uh, it's been awesome. I uh, really appreciate you, Mark. I appreciate you. Hey, hey, while she's away, you and I can do something. That's right. Paul, you could still do your shows with, with Mark if you want to. <laughs> I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. 
Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all, we promised we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.